really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. Do some announcements. <laughs> You're going to play music while I'm preaching? Is that to keep me in tune? Nice try, Theo. Good morning everyone, welcome. Uh, it's good to have you with us. Uh, for those of you who have joined us online, uh, thank you very much for that. We're, we're pleased to have you. We pray you'll uh, enjoy your time with us as well. A little bit later we're going to have communion. So if you are online, uh, please take the opportunity to prepare that so you can join with us as Kerry leads us in that a little bit later. A few announcements uh, I want to get through before we, we look at God's word. Um, as many of you know, Keegan and Amelia are in South Africa. Uh, Amelia's mum passed away very suddenly last weekend um, and the funeral was this Wednesday. Obviously the family are coming to terms with that um, and her father is a double amputee uh, so there's real practical issues to consider so please keep them in your prayers this week. Uh, and many of you will know Lewis also lost his mother uh, in these last couple of days so we send our condolences to you Lewis and, and your family and pray that as you go back you'll know God's peace and comfort in that so why don't we take a moment to do that that would be good wouldn't it um we know god's the god of all comfort and the comfort he gives to us so that we can pass on to others father we're very mindful that seasons of loss are painful uh, there's no getting around that um there's no sugar coating that they're, they're just painful but we thank you for the promise that you promised to be with us in every circumstance not just the good times. Even the times as the disciples on the road to Emmaus had said, but we had hoped. And in the midst of their disappointment and in the midst of their, their loss, they didn't even recognize you. But Father, we pray that Lewis, Annabella and family, that Keegan and Amelia and others are experiencing loss, whether that is death or other types of loss in their life, I pray that they'll come to you and find your presence. I pray that they'll find the steadfast love of the Lord never ceasing in their life. That they will know God's goodness. That they will know it really is all about you. And that they would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So for those of you who, who may be new or, or online, there's uh, both a physical uh, welcome card and an online <coughs> connect card that you can, I think it's the next slide please, uh, that you can actually see uh, and connect with us, give us your details. And if you change your email address and stuff like that, please use that as an opportunity to keep us updated. Uh, we don't bombard you with stuff, but there are some important stuff that we want you to know about uh, that's really helpful. You life quality.church forward slash connect. A couple of things that are coming up uh, in the next week. One of the things we talked about was, uh, and talk about repeatedly, is church membership. Um, part of our policy here, as with many churches in the UK, your attendance, your physical attendance on a Sunday doesn't make you a member of, of the church. It may, may make you a member of the church worldwide, 
but it doesn't make you a member of New Life Church. Uh, that's a, a definite commitment to community. That's a definite commitment where you're saying, this is my spiritual home. This is where I belong. This is where I'm going to work out my salvation. This is where I'm going to be committed to serve. So if that is something you identify with, and if you've been baptized in water, um, then we would encourage you to consider that. If you're not baptized in water, then we will have a baptismal service um, and invite you to join with us as membership. Uh, we have some information we can give you uh, on what you're committing to, what the vision of the church is, etc. Uh, if you need that. Uh, after service, we're, we're doing things slightly differently. Uh, so the bad news is you're not going to have tea and coffee. There you go. I know. Unless, unless you invite someone out for tea and coffee. How's about that? Because what we're doing is a, next slide please, uh, a bring and share family lunch. Uh, where we're going to talk about kind of evaluating our intergenerational worship, kind of giving a little bit of a vision for that, explaining that, giving you an opportunity to input in that. So uh, that's specifically for the families. Um, so and there's no tea and coffee for the rest of us today. Um, but I would encourage you to take the opportunity to have fellowship with others. Just say, okay, didn't know that was going to happen. Let's go to Costa or Nero's or wherever else you like. Or take the risk of inviting someone to your house. No? You don't sound very enthusiastic about that. Take the opportunity um, just to build that sense of relationship with others if you're not staying uh, for the uh, service. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, about giving and, uh, and this week we'll start a little bit of a, a series, a thread if you like. Next slide guys. Um, start a little bit of a thread kind of looking at the stewardship of life. And one of the things about the stewardship of life and what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 4.2, that's required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. That's the basic character requirement in the New Testament. For anything of life, God doesn't need you being a superstar. You know that? God doesn't need you being clever. God doesn't need you having a degree. You don't have to be, uh, have gone to a Bible college or have an official title to be used by God. But what you do need is to be faithful. And, you know, we can give lots of people skills and we can teach you to do stuff. What we can't give you is character. Uh, that's something God develops in you as you respond to him. And that faithfulness extends to the area of, of giving as well. And faithfulness is a result of the Holy Spirit empowerment. It, it's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not something you work up. It's something that the Holy Spirit does in you. And the overflow of that definitely comes in to our giving because our, our giving is just a natural part of our worship. We say that every week, don't we? It's just a part of our worship. It's nothing special. It's nothing spectacular. It is part of what we do. For those of you who don't uh, give regularly, can I encourage you to begin somewhere? Many of you give online. We, we're really thankful for those of you who are faithful. Many of you give faithfully, sacrificially, and God sees that and God knows. And God will reward you for that. That's what the Bible teaches if you prove faithful in that. So we want to encourage those of you who aren't uh, yet giving to give. And the easiest way to do that for us is online. If you're online, you can use the, the QR code. Uh, you can give through our bank account. That's certainly the easiest way for us to manage 
uh, and we do also have some, some envelopes there as well. We want to be faithful people, don't we? We want to be faithful people, don't we? Yes. Almost there. We want to be faithful people. Yes. Thank you. In every area of our lives, we want to be faithful, and that includes giving. So, Father, we do pray for our finances. We know that many times uh, we can feel pressured. We can feel it will be easier not to give to you. But I pray that out of the, the character work of the Holy Spirit working in us, that you would bring that sense of faithfulness in every area of our life. Whatever we do, that we might do it unto you. Lord, bless us in our finances that we have more to give away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder for you, what brings you to joyful tears? Maybe it's celebration of a good run in football. <laughs> Some of you experienced that recently. Maybe it's a sporting victory. Maybe it's, maybe it's food. Have you ever had food that you just thought, oh, this is very moving to me. Maybe it's been a friendship. Maybe it's been a holiday. Maybe it's been something else. Who knows what it could have been. But I wonder for you, do you find in the place of worship that your heart is touched? Have you ever been in that place of joyful tears in worship? The story we're going to look at today tells of a, of a lady as part of this series of Meals with Jesus. And this is part of a lady who, who we would describe as the lady of the night. My Bible in the New Living Translation, Luke 7, describes her as an, an immoral woman. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 7. For the sake of kids, we're not going to go into the details of her lifestyle, but you know what she was like. You know the reputation she had. And yet, in this story, she's moved to, to joyful tears and it touches the heart of God. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt beside him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And the Pharisee, the religious leader who had invited, saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one to whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust of my feet. But she has washed him with her tears and wiped him with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. 
But from the time uh, I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with a rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who's forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I'm going to unpack uh, that story a little in a minute, but I came across uh, this little video that actually talks about the, the prodigal. And it's, it's only about a minute and a half, and, and why don't you watch it? Some of you will know Charlie Maxey. He's, he's got a lot of prominence recently. Uh, what's the name of that book, Kerry? The, the, horse? the Horse, the Mole, the Fox. The Horse, the Mole, the Fox, and the Boy, I think it is. Uh, some of you will know that he, he won a BAFTA or, or something for that recently. And he, at the end of it, li listen to what he says. If we dare, just dare to believe that we are loved that much by God, everything changes. So let's watch the video and then Carrie will come. It began with seeing a friend of mine hugging his son. Yes. I think he'd done something wrong. But there was a moment of real kind of redemption. And so I, <laughs> I made them repeat it. And I just thought that symbolizes so much. And even if you're not a Christian, whatever you believe, it's a, it symbolizes something that will, is really beautiful. You know, forgiveness, redemption, sure. reconciliation, whatever you like to call it. So I thought, you know, I, I'd like to draw that. So I. I drew them. I mean, I had a guy who came around to do a survey on my house in Brixton and said, right, I'll start at the top, and he disappeared. I said, help yourself. And he came down 10 minutes later, and he was changed color in his face, and he was had tears in his eyes. And he said, now, what are these paintings, especially that one with that father and son? I said, oh, that's the prodigal son. He said, I've got a nine-year-old kid, and I've never hugged him. I don't know how to hug him. He related immediately to his own son, and then he just got up and he said, I'm, I'm going to go and find him. He left the house. Yeah, he was so moved. It, yeah, there's something about that relationship. The Father, you know, whether it's human or divine, that is so fundamental to our existence. If we can, for a second a day or five seconds a day, come to terms with it or just dare to believe that we are loved that much by God, it, everything changes. Yes. No matter who you are, what you think you've done, or it's, it, Jesus is really saying something so, so beautiful. And that's why I think I've been obsessed with it, because I think it's the core of the gospel. Isn't that amazing? And if you haven't watched Over Christmas, they showed his work put together as a film. And I think it's one of the most moving films that you can watch and really reminds us of all the important things that actually we find in the Bible as well, about how much we are loved and how much we should love each other. So uh, I need two volunteers. And I have to say I'm quite scared because the mood the children seem to be in today, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do this. Um, I've already been told off by Sophie twice. So. Uh, if I could have two volunteers. Oh, Theo, you are a star. Yes, please. Come on then, Sarah. Sarah and Theo, that would be amazing. Fantastic. Oh, this might be tricky. Okay, what I want you to do is to take your shoes. Stand over there, Sarah, so everyone can see you. Thank you. Take your shoes and socks off for me. They're going to take their shoes, sorry, I didn't realise Theo had his really long football socks on, so but he's going to take his shoes and socks off for me. Are you playing a game in a minute? Yeah? Is it an important game? 
Yeah, you gonna win? Excellent, that's always good to hear. So they're gonna take their shoes and socks off. Sarah's done hers already. Now, if I was to ask for another volunteer to come, you listen to it, it's always check, Mercelin, before you put your hand up, check what it is that you're gonna be asked to do. I learned that very early on, okay? If I asked you to come up the front and kiss Sarah's feet, who would come? Oh, Sarah, isn't that? Oh, Mum and Dad would come. They obviously know that she had a shower or a bath this morning. Fantastic. What about, and Theo's nearly there, he's got about 10 pairs of socks on, I think. What about if I asked you to come and kiss Theo's feet? Oh, Grace, you are amazing. Fantastic. So, Theo, I hate to tell you, but you had less volunteers than Sarah did. <laughs> Oh, we got four already. So we have missed you. It's lovely to have you back. So now I want you to run on the spot for 10 seconds. Run on the spot really fast. Are you getting a bit sweaty? That was, that was the shortest 10 seconds I've ever known, Sarah. But yeah, that was sort of 10 seconds. Are you getting a bit sweaty? No? Sarah? No? Oh, who would come and kiss their feet now? Uh, still the mums are, and Auntie Grace would. What our film just showed us. That's how grateful she was to Jesus because of the love and the forgiveness that he'd shown to her. And David's going to unpack that a bit more. I know we sometimes read the Bible quite religiously, don't we? And we think, oh, washing the hair, yeah, I'm not sure I'd kiss feet. But the real significance of that is, in today's climate, it would be the equivalent of you Ladies walking into church topless. That's how shocking it would be. And we forget that, don't we? Because we just read it religiously. But it, this is a shocking thing that's going on here. Um, it's, it's scandalous, which is why Simon the Pharisee really didn't like it. I want to suggest just a couple of things. And then Kerry's going to come back uh, and lead us into communion. But I, I want to suggest just a couple of things from this passage that I think are helpful for us. Do you know what? It's possible to meet Jesus and move away from him. See, Simon, I think these are coming up, guys. Yep, thank you. Simon completely missed the point, didn't he? He was in the presence of Jesus. In fact, he invited Jesus into his home. He was the one who said he wanted there. And I wonder what the motivation was going through his mind. Because when it came to it, he actually moved away from Jesus. He missed the whole point. And it was customary that your feet would have been washed because the roads were dusty. I've walked down some places in, in Haiti and places in Africa and come in with my shoes on. My, my shoes have been filthy by the time I've got to church. And there's often someone sitting outside with a little shoe shine business, uh, kind of making a little money. I've seen that. And Jesus didn't even get the customary washing of feet. The lowest servant should have done that, but Simon didn't even have anyone to wash his feet or to give him customary readings. You know, that's like in England going to someone's house and them not even offering you a cup of tea. You know, that, that may be all you get, huh? But not even doing that. It's, it's the standard thing. And Jesus was in Simon's presence. And from, from my perspective, it's, Simon, do you not realize you have the Son of God in your midst? Do you not realize who you've invited into your home? 
Jesus knew everything the woman had, uh, had done, but he still forgave her. Jesus knew everything about the people there, and he knew Simon's heart as well. It's possible to respect Jesus, but not really be in love with him. It's possible to respect Jesus, but not really give him control of your life. Do you know what? It's possible to be in church service, after church service, but never encounter his presence. Because what Jesus is actually looking for is not the songs that we sing. We sang that earlier, didn't we? He's looking for our hearts. He's looking for a response from us from the inside, not the external behavior. And all these people identified was the external behavior. I wonder in your experience, are, are you moving closer to Jesus? Are you letting the disappointments and the loss and the difficulties and the pressures of life, which are always going to exist, are you allowing them to move you away from Jesus? It's possible to be in the same room but still miss him. But there's another possibility. It's possible to meet Jesus and move into love. Jesus told this story, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver, 50 to the other. Neither of them could repay. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more? You see, I, I think the more we get to grips with the fact that if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. The, the Bible is very clear. However much we mess up, and we do, however many mistakes we make, however many times we fall down, God comes to us again and says, get back up, because I'm not interested so much in your external behavior. I'm interested in your heart. I'm interested in your responsiveness to me. I'm interested in your love. And these women's actions were, were traceable to the forgiveness of our sins. I don't know what happened in that moment, but she knew that when she encountered Jesus, something would be different, something would change. She was prepared to shock other people. She was prepared in her worship of Jesus to not worry what anyone else thought. I wonder, can we say that of us? I wonder, can we say, do you know what? I don't care what people think. I don't care how I worship today. I'm going to worship fully. I'm going to worship freely. I'm going to worship extravagantly. Or are you watching people out of your corner of your eye? Are you worried about what people will think of you? Are you worried about how people will respond? Are you worried if everyone else around you is raising their arms or not? God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. That's what Jesus said. And when we understand the truth that we've been forgiven, then what does that do to our song worship? What does that do? It has to impact our worship. It has to impact the, the fact that we flow out in praise to him. I find in worship, that's when I'm most emotional as a person. I can be very logical, analytical. I can be very rational. But when I get in the presence of God, and suddenly I realize I'm forgiven. There's no condemnation in my life. There's no sense of shame. There's no sense of God saying, ah. You know, like the school teacher waiting to wrap you over the knuckles that they used to do, or ours used to do, 
throw dusters at you from the front. God's not a school teacher waiting for us to trip, trip up. Look at what he says in this story. Forgiveness comes first. And out of that forgiveness comes the expression of love. I wonder, do you know you're, you're forgiven today? Do you know you're forgiven? Do you have that sense of being clean before God? Peter had the experience of Jesus when none of them would wash the feet, remember? And so he's embarrassed and as, as often men do when they're embarrassed, he overcompensates. <laughs> and he says, okay, wash all of me. <laughs> Jesus says, oh, I'm sure Jesus rolled his eyes more than once. Can't prove it, but I'm sure he did. And he said, Peter, you're already clean through the word I've spoken to you. You're already clean. You've picked up a little bit of dirt along the way in your journey. I know that. That's why I'm going to wash your feet. But you're already clean through the word I've spoken to you. And folks, I want you to hear that message today that Jesus looks at your life and he says you're clean. You're forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, your identity is in him. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see all the mistakes that you live with or all the things that you've got wrong. He sees the righteousness of Christ. In him, in Jesus, we have holiness. We have redemption. He is our righteousness. The problem is many of you are still coming to church with a, a kind of merit-based system. You know, and you tick off, well, I've, I've done this, so I'm doing well this week. I've done this, I've read my Bible or listened to it. I've done this, I've done this, I've given. He always talks about giving. I'm, I've given this week, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you tick off the list and, and think it, that it's your merit that somehow makes you acceptable to God. It's not, it's God's grace. It's God's grace. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more and nothing that you will ever do to make him love you less. Paul says in Romans 8 that not even hell can separate you from God's love. That's what this lady experienced and they were shocked that Jesus could forgive sins. Do you know the people who are scandalized and shocked by this is the people who haven't been forgiven. The religious people who haven't forgiven will try and put a containment on your worship. They'll try and say, no, just take it easy, come on. Settle down. Just relax, come on. Don't, don't get passionate. Don't, don't receive that limitation or containment in your life. Don't do it. If you've been forgiven, if you love much, let it pour out of your heart. I've been halfway up mountains in Sri Lanka when they've had broken instruments. I've been in Haiti where I don't even know how they played the drums. Everything was collapsing around them. Thank God for gaffer tape, huh? <laughs> but I'm telling you, the sense of worship, the problem with the church in the West is we feel we need all of this equipment to worship. You don't. It's fluff. It's fluff. You don't need the best band in the world. You were great this morning, by the way, so it's not <laughs> fantastic, well done. But even if David doesn't play like Eric Clapton, you did well this morning, David, by the way. 
Even if Oscar isn't that guy John from Queen, you know, giving it, it doesn't matter. If you have a heart to worship, guess what will happen? You'll worship. Because it's not about the songs that we sing. It's not about the quality of the musicians or even the sound or all the rest of that. It's not about that. It's our heart to worship out of knowing we've been forgiven. Come on, folks. Really, my heart for this place is that you would release your song of worship. Honestly, some of you come into church and I see it. You're happy before the service. And then the spirit of misery comes upon you in worship. I'm thinking, what the heck just happened? You were laughing and smiling before the service. And then you come into the time of worship and it's like, yeah, I'm really glad I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, amen. Come on, folks. Break out of those containments in your life. Come on, we're not a British church. We're a multicultural church. We're a multi-generational church. Let loose. Seriously, let loose. I really just wanted, and I said to someone this week, do you, do you know what I'd really love? That when we gather in our encounter nights, that I didn't have to organize anything. That I just said, hello, welcome. And then the whole body just raises up in worship. That's my desire. That's my desire. That's my heart that, that you break out of these containments in your life and just move into this worship that's heartfelt. Doesn't matter if it's a, making a joyful noise. You know, I, I left my microphone on on purpose last week when we sang happy birthday. And someone whose name I'll not mention, Chris, had the audacity, had the audacity to send me a meme that says, yeah, it's okay when you make a joyful noise. If I had been still in Crawley, there would have been laying on hands without prayer. <laughs> but I've forgiven him since then, so it's okay, you see. But you know what? There are times where we shouldn't care. Come on, let's break out of this containment, can we? Please. I'm pleading with you from a pastor's heart, just break out of this containment, break out of this stiff upper lip, break out of this what will people think? Because you know what? Even David, as the king said, you think that was undignified, I'll become even more undignified than this. And he was a king. Who cares what other people think? Who cares? None of us have a blue bloodline anyhow, I don't think except in Christ. We're not royalty, so no one's looking at us. No one cares, apart from God. So folks, I'm really pleading with you, because you've been forgiven, break out of the containments. Thirdly, it's possible to meet Jesus and move into loving service. Look at what the woman did. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust of my feet. She has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the scandal of extravagant worship. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. How beautiful must that have been? How awesome must that have been to see that she moves from a place of shame into a place of service. And do you know what? We can all do that. 
It doesn't matter what's held you back. It doesn't matter what sort of week I've had. It doesn't matter what sort of family you have. If when you think of family, you hear the EastEnders, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what shame. You can come into loving service. Great love for Jesus isn't actually shown primarily but the songs that we sing on Sunday morning. I love it when we do. I love it when it's free worship. I love it. But God looks more than that. Because we're only here for an hour and a half on a Sunday. It's what happens the rest of the week that matters. It's that service. It's that loving service. It's, it's that caring for your family. It's those, those acts of righteousness. It's those simple things. It's those hidden things. It's all the stuff of life. It's how you speak to your wife and treat it. And we were out yesterday and I had to apologize to Bev because she was, she was dithering over choosing lunch and we were under pressure for time at this conference and I encouraged her to choose quickly. And it was slightly sharper than I should have been peace. So I had to apologize straight away. Do you know what? But that's, that's real loving service to Christ as well, isn't it? That's where the rubber hits the road, Harold. In how we treat one another. And you know what? If we long for our children's lives to be marked by great service, then guess what? We have to model it. We should be the ones doing that. And the thing is about the gospel that the people encounter with Jesus, it's not a gospel of sin management. We're not trying to give you principles to manage your sin better, okay? That's not the gospel. The gospel is that you become free, that you're forgiven, that you love, and out of that love comes obedience. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, obey my commands. Not in a tick box way that fulfills your own righteousness, but loving obedience and service to him. That's the heart of response. So the gospel is not about you finding a better way to manage your pain or your sin or your hurt. It's a way to move from your shame and your sin into a life of loving service. The problem is many people get accustomed and get comfortable with their pain. Many people get accustomed to their illness and the sickness and it becomes their identity. But if you're in Christ, none of those things are your identity. Your pain, your past, your shame, your failures, none of those things matter. Your identity is in Christ. And just to emphasize it, it's 225 or 227 times in the New Testament. And if you're not sure, read it. In him, in whom, in Christ, it's there lots of times. And that's why people flock to Jesus. Because they knew there wasn't that demand in that sense. There was a, a willingness to forgive and out of that forgiveness, loving obedience poured out. In a couple of weeks time, we're, we're starting a, a midweek series called Finding Your Spiritual Freedom. I think we have a slide for that. And I really want to encourage you to join either the Tuesday the Thursday or the Friday group. I think you should have been given a little leaflet today. Is that right? Um, 
Can I encourage you to sign up for one of those groups? Even if you've never been involved in a group before, to say, do you know what? I, I want to be spiritually free. If there's any obstacles in your life, we can resolve them before God. We can. There's nothing that needs to hold you back before God to come into that place of freedom of extravagance in your worship and extravagance and loving obedience in your service. Can I encourage you when we begin this, sign up to it. Get involved in one of those nights and make the commitment. If you need to rearrange things, if you need to make double the amount of dinner on a Monday so you can get out quickly on a Tuesday, do it. We have to do it sometimes. Do whatever it takes because if your heart is there to do it, guess what? You find a way. Thank you, Lizzie. That's lovely. No? Okay. In my experience, and I'm sure this is true of you, if you want to do something, guess what happens? You find a way to do it, don't you? You do. So can we stop making excuses, folks? And just say, do you know what? I want to be in the place God wants me to be. I want to be in that place of freedom. I want to commit to that. I want to serve God with my whole heart. I don't want to get comfortable with my pain because my pain is not my identity. David had a group of people who came to him at the cave of Adullam. And it says that they were in debt, in distress, and discontent. But later on, it says that those very same men came and put David on the throne. And some of those men became his mighty men. Why? Because they realized the cave of Adullam was a legitimate stage in the journey, but it wasn't the destination. It's a legitimate stage. Maybe some of you are in debt. Maybe some of you are in distress. Maybe some of you are discontent. It's a legitimate stage in your journey, but it's not the destination. God wants you to be in the place where you're putting the king on the throne. So my encouragement to you and my challenge to you is if this story speaks into your life, commit to following through with this. Week in, week out, there is some resources online. If by shift work you can't make an individual week, then we can give you the resources, the stuff online where you can do that. Kerry's going to come in a moment, but as he said, we would do every week. There's an opportunity for some questions to reflect that you can do as an individual. Uh, These will go up as a PDF on the website along with the stream so you can download them. Or you can take a screenshot or you can ask me if necessary. But these are some questions to help you engage with the story for yourself. Because it's not enough simply to come to the church service. We need to integrate this in into our lives. And so there's some questions uh, like we talked about last week that you can begin to do that. So Kerry, are you coming to lead us into communion this morning? Isn't that just an amazing message? It actually, every time I read that story, really chokes me up. Because I think for that lady who has just led a life of condemnation, a life of just feeling so useless, to actually experience so much love, 
that she could do what she did just blows me away. I think it's amazing. I don't know whether it's okay. Could we have the lion and the lamb now rather than after communion? Because I think the words, we're going to sing a song now and it's a song that the children know well and some of the children are going to come up with Linda and lead us in the actions. But it's an amazing song that sums up for us the contrast that Jesus shows. Because he, like a lamb, was led to slaughter. We're going to take communion in a minute. That's how much he loves us. And it's not loved, it's loves. He would do it again for us. That just blows us away. So he was like a lamb led to slaughter. But it didn't mean that he was meek. It didn't mean that he had no power. Because the power that he showed when he lived on earth went way before anything we would ever experience. And that's why the song talks about him being a lion and a lamb. Now the children are going to come up, hopefully, so if you want to come up now, I know you know the song, so nobody's got any excuse whatsoever. If you want to come up, stand at the front. And we're just going to have the worship um, music song on, and we're going to sing along with it. So we will stand up and worship, be free in your worship. And follow the actions with the children. Doesn't matter if you do the actions wrong, that's not the point. The reason that we do actions with the children is because it makes it accessible to everybody. It's a way that even if you can't read the words, you can still worship. That's why we do the actions. That's why we have the children up the front to help lead us. So if it's okay, we're going to have the song now. Follow whoever you want doing the actions or do your own it doesn't matter but let's really come before God and really acknowledge to him that we understand who he is and what he's done for us so if we can stand up please
amazing. And children, don't ever underestimate what you do when you lead us in worship because it's so important to us that you can do that. So I wonder whether we really, really believe that this morning. I wonder whether we really do believe that there's nothing that can stop what God wants to do in your life. I wonder if we really believe that he's fighting our battles and that he can break every chain. Because that's what communion is all about. There's nothing that's stronger than the blood that Jesus shed for you. Nothing. And it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you've come into church this morning with. God sees. Because what's so amazing is that lion that has the power. He created our whole earth. And yet he knows your name. And he knows your heart. And he sees everything that's happened this week. He's seen every battle you've had to fight. And he calls you now and says, I know, I understand, and I love you. So I wonder what you would be most thankful for in your life. I wonder if you were given any of these things, whether they would make you feel thankful. Would you be most thankful if you had the latest Xbox? Would you be most thankful if you had the latest phone? I wouldn't know how to use it. Would you be most thankful if you got loads and loads of money? Or the greatest pet that you could ever get? If anyone wants a dog, by the way, you can have mine. Uh, or if you were chosen to play. Honestly, Hannah, if you met my dog, you would not be making that face. <laughs> or if you were chosen to play for your favorite sports team or if you went on the holiday of your dreams. I've had to repent of envy because Olga's been in Australia. But if you had to go, on, if you were able to go on your favorite holiday, how thankful would you be? Do you know, none of that compares to what Jesus has done for us and continues to do for us because that forgiveness that he showed carries on and I'm really thankful for that because it doesn't matter how much we feel we've messed up God still forgives us. So let's now just have a time before we take communion. Um, David and Laureen, do you mind just uncovering and getting the communion ready for people? That would be amazing. Thank you. Let's just have a time of coming before God. And children, you need to do this as well. And just have a time thinking, if you were before Jesus now, if you were at his feet now, what would you be saying to him? What do you need Jesus to know about how you're feeling, about what's happened this week? And just carry on worshipping Jesus. And when you're ready, if you'd like to come up, if you've given your heart to God, you can come up and take the bread and the wine and remember all that he's done for you. Parents, it's up to you whether your children take communion. But anyone who has given their heart to God can come up and share in that amazing thing that he's done for you. So when you're ready, if you want to come up and take the bread and the wine, worshipping him as you do so. Lord Jesus, we know that if we could fully grasp what you've done for us, there would be nothing that stops us doing what you want us to do. 
if we could truly worship you as individuals and as your church, nothing could stop us. So Lord, we pray that as we leave this morning, you will reveal yourself in an even deeper way into our individual lives and into your church so that we can truly show to those people out there that need to see you who you are. And so, Lord, we worship at your feet and we place ourselves into your hands for this week, knowing that you're walking beside us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you'd like to just sit down for a second, I think the uh, music group are going to come up and lead in a final song. The final song, I think I'm right, is Good, Good Father. If you know that you haven't grasped that, if you know that there's something missing in your understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, please don't go home without getting prayer ministry. Ask somebody to pray with you and truly show you the depth of his love for you so that you can worship at his feet. So have a lovely week. God bless you all. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.